are back in the Football Shed, your weekly podcast for fans that live in the wrong time zone. My name is John Hewitt, Jeff King is here. Good day. And Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. And we're recording on a Monday night, which for fans that live in the wrong time zone is quite exhausting to watch a lot of football in 48 hours. It is, it's been cramming, yes. cramming. Football cramming. But I we're, feel drained. We're recording because, you're, where are you going, Rog? Uh, New Zealand this week. Well, so you went on holiday last week and you're going away this again? This is work, John. Oh. And what are you going to do? Are you going to talk about soil? I'm going to talk about soil. <laughs> it's just it's a, very exciting. It's a laugh a minute, isn't it? In it, Gibbs land. It's a big love-in for soil sniffers. Well, that sounds great. <laughs> um, before we get on, though, I feel like we need to announce this is the last ever shed in the proper original shed. Because Jeff is selfishly bought a house and moving. So now we have to move the whole shed. Um, so it's kind of sad, and that's why it sounds a bit echoing here, because we cleared it out of the weekend. Which is appropriate, because I feel like for our last shed, we are now um, recording in the most sheddy-like shed that we ever have, probably. You couldn't get much more like a shed than this. There was a literally a shed load of stuff in here. <laughs> there was. Oh, <laughs> Quick move on before we get to another okay. one. But it's, um, uh, it's a, a sad and emotional time. Yeah. yeah. It's been yeah. a good shed. It's been good to us. And there's mm. only ones... There used to be like hundreds of football shirts. So there's one sad Melbourne Heart football shirt left hanging in the corner. That might stay. <laughs> <laughs> Not making the move. Just leave that for the next people. Um, we do start with a question every week. But before we do, here's a wee bit of admin. If you want to get in contact, ask us a question... Tell us we're wrong on Facebook, which a few of have done this week, and we will get a few responses on those. Um, just search Football Shed or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Um, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. And of course, tell your mates so more people can listen to us um, talk nonsense. What, what's that, Jeff? What are you drinking, Rog? Oh, yeah, we didn't ask what you're drinking, Rog. I'm drinking water tonight. Water, yeah, I'm off, on the off, edge. off the wagon. I've decided to um, you're go, off the wagon. Go, go, uh, <laughs> isn't it the other way round? Oh, no, you're, on the, you're on the wagon when you're drinking, aren't Is you? It? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Why? I think you're both wrong. No, you fall off the wagon, then you drink again. You're drinking again when you're off the wagon. Yeah, if oh, you're on the right, wagon, then I'm wrong. Are you on anyway, a wagon? I'm uh, teetotal for this evening. No, oh, you're off the but wagon for a day. It is only restricted to this evening because <laughs> I mistakenly didn't bring anything and and hoped that. And we both, Jeff and I, kindly offered you a watermelon smash shower, which is what I'm drinking. <laughs> Straight Jamesons from the <laughs> cupboard. <laughs> so you, you just turned down delicious beverages. That's your own fault. Um, but the question for this week is about Chelsea. Chelsea's last six goals have been scored by English players, four for Tammy Abraham and two for Mason Mount. When was the last time, I've got month and year, that that happened for Chelsea? Oh, I think it was in December 2006. I think it was in... This is the second week in a row that I've read the exact thing you're getting this from, <laughs> and yet I can't remember it. I feel like it was 2003... Or maybe 2002 and the month January. October 2011. So oh. it was only eight years ago. Oh, that's, that's but it's still a long time. Who were they? Oh, the ones from uh, yeah. John Terry and Frank Lampard. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I, guess. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Daniel Sturridge? Oh, yeah. But he was only there for a little bit. So, uh, But I presume it was John Terry and Frank Lampard. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, well, actually, just, just being Frank Lampard. 
Yeah. Going on a bit of a run. Yeah. It, I mean, it's amazing to see Mason. I was completely wrong last week when I said it was too soon for Mason Mount to get caught up for the English squad. Because he did Because he got up. caught up the day after. So yeah. if you're listening to me being wrong at the time you're reading the England squad, <laughs> it was interesting. I thought I made quite a convincing point. But, but you were right about Tammy. Yeah, yeah. On, or you could be right. It could be right if he gets yeah. to the Euros. But what, what's he scored four goals now, Tammy Abraham? Four goals four. in two games? Yeah. And, and all good like finishes. Like, Great goals. He's looking yeah. good. I remember someone talking about him being quite good a couple of seasons ago when he was at Bristol City and getting shot down quite quickly on this podcast. Was that when Dirk was on the podcast? No. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, anyone can be good at Bristol City because of the average. The, the, yeah, <laughs> they're a solid championship um, team, Jeff. But it is, like, it, it's, it's one of those things. Like, people are talking about Chelsea's poor performances this year and, and saying that, you know, they're performing below par. But it's so good to see their young players come out and do what they're doing. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I, like, I, I wanted to start by talking about the top four race tonight. And obviously, Chelsea should be in that race, kind of, in that conversation. Um, but they are kind of choking and being flaky. But you're right, they're really entertaining to watch. Like, they drew two all with Sheffield United, um, and they were 2 0 up. Um, and it's just such a young team thing to do is just play really well, go in with great guns, and then choke. Uh, I've got one a question for this. Pose a question. Okay. So, they, Chelsea are in this weird scenario of having the transfer ban, obviously. Um, and they've also changed their manager again. To someone who's never to really been a manager. Managed, yeah. Yeah. And could be quite limited as a manager. Now, and I have a sneaking suspicion that he might be. So I wonder if they would have perhaps been better to keep Sarri and still be in the same scenario of not signing players. But actually, because Sarri had a quite a good year in the end last year. He had a great year. Do you think it was more that Sarri wanted to go because Juventus came calling? Um, no, and I think that... Fans just lost faith in Sarri. Like, it was toxic at Chelsea last year. Like, within 20 minutes, if there hadn't been anything happen or someone, Jorginho, passed it sideways, their home crowd was just like, no, don't like it. This is rubbish. And they were booing. So you just... But how long do you think Frank will get? Well, I think Frank will get a whole year because he's Frank Lampard. Even if the results don't go to plan? Yeah, I think... If he finishes in the top half, he's okay. But I wow! If he finishes twelfth, it's pretty generous. When was the last time you saw a Chelsea side finish in the top half, not challenging for top four, and the fans and Abramovich were happy with? Didn't that? Mourinho finish his bottom half? He got fired. Yeah, he got fired. Yeah, fair enough. Fair point. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, Frank Lampard in charge of Chelsea is just like Ivanka Trump in the UN Security Council. Yeah, yeah. He's massively out of his depth. He's there on association, and he's just faking it. Yeah. My, sorry if that's sorry if you're listening, Frank Franco. But I don't think you're good enough to be in the job you're in. He is going to come up this year against. I don't see a more inexperienced manager in the Premier League, which means when it comes to you know Sheffield United drew two two by merit. Yeah. It wasn't Chelsea just collapsing. You know, people talk about Chelsea collapsing. And Chelsea took two 0 up as well. So I think from that position, you would expect Chelsea to close that game out. Ex- exactly right. Frank Lampard is not a good enough coach, or hasn't got enough experience in multiple situations to understand the perfect thing to do. In the Premier League, you'll get found out, and you're up against seasoned professionals. I don't mean players; they're yeah. gonna the best players in the world. But if you're not putting them in the right places and telling them to do the right things, you've got a, a disconnect between your managerial style and then what the players would naturally do. And you know, we talk about the Labrador effect all the time. He might as well be a Labrador if he's just relying on having good players. But yeah. he's got a double whammy, whereas he's got youth players that are quite good. Yeah. Some of them could be excellent, great to watch, really exciting. But he's really out of his depth. And, and no Kante in this as well. 
Yeah. So perhaps that might be a factor in them. And they're struggling for, like, defenders aren't playing very well. They played Tamori this weekend, and he's the England under-21 captain and was player of the year at Derby last year under him, which is good. But, yeah, you're right. He came up against Sheffield United, and they're managed by Chris Wilder, who's been around for 15 years and would have played in a million games where he's been 2-0 down and gone, oh, let's try this. And actually, football in the Premier League to the conference doesn't change that much in the scenario of you're losing 2-0, what do you do? Exactly right, yeah. And he's managed that situation loads of times. So Credit to them, though, like because he didn't, you know, they actually did give it a nudge after they went 2-0 down and they, actually, they played some football too. It's definitely not just like, oh, shit, we're losing 2-0, we better throw on the big bloke and no, um, it's not. get no, it they're in good. the mixer. But it's the other Chelsea one that surprised me a bit in this game was as a Pukaleta. Um, yeah, he was poor. And Sorry, what do you call him? As a Pukaleta. Is that how you say it? Oh, I don't know. As a Pukaleta. The Spanish guy at the back. <laughs> yeah, bless you. It's just a very hard name to say. <laughs> uh, but he, I have thought that he has always been, oh, he's always been a defender first. He's mm. never going to be the best right back yeah. going forward or left back or centre back, wherever he's going to play. The bomber on Um He's never going to be a bomber on her, but I thought, think defensively, in the time he's been at Chelsea, he's been one of the most reliable defenders in the Premier League. Like He's at least a 7 out of 10 every week. Yeah. But I actually think that now he might... He's 30, I think, this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe he's lost a yard of pace, and I don't know if he can play in a four as the fullback. I think you might need to play him in a three. And I think also, he's the experienced guy. He's often the captain, Um he might be a club captain, I'm not sure. But I think he's also thinking, oh, I've got like two young centre-backs to it, so I need to kind of organise them and get forward. And he's almost trying to do, do my own thing mm, as just well. Just carry on defending. He seems to have forgotten that bit. Last year, at the end of last year, Zuma looked like a mountain. He looked like a player Everton, that yeah. was worth a lot of money and Everton were willing to pay it. And he was given assurances by Frank Lampard that he'd start for Chelsea. And this year... He just looks so shaky. Like he doesn't believe that's his that's his role. Yeah. You know, giving away a penalty last week, um, this week scoring goal. an own goal, and then he's getting racially abused by the Chelsea fans. Like, yeah. what a it's just crap. Horrible crash down to earth for that kid. Yeah, no, I do feel really sorry for him. He looks completely shorn of confidence as well. And that will happen. Yeah, no, that's crap. Um, one team that's not choking in the top four race is Leicester. <laughs> Now, someone put them in the top... Notice what you subtly did there. Yeah, yeah. So I thought talk about Leicester because I put them to come fourth this year. Um, but they looked back to old-school Leicester brilliant. They did. But with the addition of playing better football, Brendan Rodgers style, and having better players. So like he's been watching some Vardy highlights from a few yes. seasons ago. It's there. been great. Vardy's goal was brilliant. It's like Vardy's been watching some Vardy highlights. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I remember now. I remember what he used to I used to just run real quick, didn't I? Yeah. That, that, was, that was my thing. And take two touches. And, and just loft it in from 30 yards. Vardy's yeah. played 14 games for Brendan Rodgers and scored 12 goals. Like, that's very good. That's ridiculous. That's excellent. Yeah. yeah. And Vardy does go on runs, like when they won the league. Um, and because he doesn't play international football anymore, like usually he would he would be in the England squad this mm. week and he would go and play. And right now he can just go, well, I'll just rest up for two weeks and then I'm ready for the next game when we're back and we're good to go again. And that when they won the league that year, they were out of both cups early. So their whole squad, they weren't in European competition, of course, because they were they finished 17th or something the previous year. All they had was a game every Saturday. Saturday, 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 Saturday. And they were in a routine. And um, remember Ozanaki? Oz, 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 oh, the um, striker. Yeah, he's basically, yeah. yeah, basically the only sub that they'd make. 
They, yeah. Everything was so settled to be like, oh, and he'd come on on 65 minutes. He's not like, there anymore now. No, he isn't. It's a shame. He had huge thighs, that man. Yeah. Thighs like tree trunks. Um, literally, have a look. Impressive, impressive thighs, yeah. Um, if you like that sort of thing. The the Leicester that we used to see was a very stable side that played once a week and you're kind of seeing them get back to that now it's really exciting and they brought on players like Damari Gray came off the bench they started Albrighton who hasn't started a game and suddenly you go oh they've got players that can come in they've got a squad so actually they've played Fuchs the last couple of weeks at left back and then Chilwell's come back He's, they've actually got a whole squad of players I think mm. They're looking good. There's a, a particular player that I enjoyed watching in this game and I think is very relevant to their season, which is the young Turkish centre-back, so yeah. so- Soyun Chu. Yeah. Um, so they bought him for 18 mil. Uh, last year. Last year. But I think it just before the start of last season. Mm. But he had some weird like work permit issues um, okay. and also an injury. He didn't get a work permit for ages. Like, it, was, yeah. it wasn't... Um, like a smooth start to his yeah. Leicester career. But anyway, I think he ended up playing a few games last year. But he's obviously... Um, perhaps Brendan Rodgers copped a little bit of criticism when Harry Maguire's gone to United and Leicester didn't seem to have a backup plan in terms of who they were going to go out and buy. Um, I mean, Wes Morgan's retired now. Is Wes Morgan retired? No, he's just really old. He's just really old. He's, so still, he's, there. he's still there, but he's another year old. Sorry, Wes Morgan. Um, and jo- Johnny Evans, the same. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. feel like they can wheel Wes Morgan has, out. Has Johnny here. Evans played a game for Leicester? Yeah, he plays every game this year. Yeah. No, really? Yeah. yeah, this year he has. He's oh. just quietly and going he's about played his some last year. He's done what Johnny Evans has always done. He's just yeah. quietly gone about his job, gets seven just out of ten. Played in no the shadows, knows. yeah. But this kid, so he's only 21 maybe yeah. 22 and it's a bit weird because he went from like the Turkish second division to well, I'm stretching myself here maybe Freiburg in Germany yeah he went to Germany yeah. um, and he had one season there and then Leicester have signed him for 18 mil now I think looking at I think there was at the time some other big clubs that were looking at him so he clearly had ability but it's a fairly rapid rise from mm. the Turkish second division in two seasons then being the Premier League um, and I think people would have been a little bit unsure about him replacing you know 90 odd million Harry Maguire but he's looked brilliant mm. and he I quite like him because he's um, he's got a bit of a what's the word like an arrogance like he and comes comes out from the back and, and plays. He's um, not a big guy either, is he? He's not a no. big centre back. He's only like six foot. He's he's, yeah, so I think he's six foot. He's yeah. not your stereotype. He's not like um, slabhead. But what he has got is um, definite ability on the ball. And he nearly scored an absolute belter in this game. I looked. I was. I saw the shot first. I was like, "That's brilliant." Who was that? And I was like, "Hold on, it's a centre back. What are you doing there?" For a start, yeah. so it's like this, you know. There's, there's that, something to him. Yeah, there's that side of his game which I don't know if Rogers would necessarily love, but um, I think he's looked really good and he's like definitely passed the ball. So I wonder, um, you know, if they can get him playing and they don't lose anything from Maguire going, that is a massive win. Yeah, and uh, the Tillemans, in my opinion, is the best player outside the top six of the traditional top. He's wow. a very good footballer, and then it was a bit of a coup to get him. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think he would play in any if he was signed by Man City, he would play in that midfield. You think so? Yeah, yeah. So why was no one else in for him? I think they were. I think Brendan Rodgers sold the dream to him. I think he went, because he's still only young, he's 23, 24, and they went, we'll pay you big money and play for us, you'll be the main man, and you'll be here two or three years, and he'll go to Man City, Barcelona, Real Madrid, or whatever. But it didn't work at Monaco. 
obviously. No, but Monaco, he was at Monaco when it all went wrong. He was came in when everyone left Monaco. Thierry Henry rocked up. Yeah, <laughs> and then like they lost every game and it all went a bit wrong. So mm. I reckon... It's a big shout. I'll, I'll keep an eye on him this year, John, because if you say he's the best player outside the top six, it's yeah. a big shout. I think he's brilliant. What you've... Uh, t- his tackle, did you also want to talk about? Uh, yeah, well, so he got tackled... He tackled, without going on to the VAR chat too much, I'll maybe save it for VAR chat... But no, I'm not. I'm going to do it now. The, <laughs> he tackles a guy and he's... You know when the ball comes into someone and they try and get their body in front of the ball? Yeah. So they put their leg out to get their body Shield in front. Shield it, yeah. Um, and he's... as In doing that, he's gone over the ball and he's gone into the leg of someone. And he's gone into the leg so kind high, of... Yeah, just, to, just below their knee. And it's a bad tackle. Like, it's bad. Um, but it's not... Like, there's no malice in it. There's no intent in it at all. He's just looking, staring at the ball. And he's gone to get it. And the referee, who was excellent, and it was his first ever Premier League um, game as a referee, um, just went, oh, no, that's bad tackles, yellow card, move on. The thing that annoyed me about it was whoever the pundit was on the commentary was just like, oh, oh no. If, David if, Plate? If, no, it wasn't him. Or if they've got VAR, they should send him off. Like the whole point of VAR is like, if they see that, then they've got to send... No, that's not the point of VAR because they talk to the referee yeah. and they see the scenario. And we've talked about this already. And he just sat there for five minutes going, that's a disgrace. They've got this VAR stuff and they don't know how to use it. This VAR stuff. No, I, I, I'm with you oh, on that. And I, 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 I know I whinged about the last week talking to the referee yeah. um, well in terms of when it's a, uh, a something that is clear and obvious and yeah, that yeah. That, that it should come into play but I agree with you on things like that where there's some subjectivity I really like that they're talking to the referee and I would much rather that the emphasis is on taking the referee's view that should always be your starting point and supporting that yeah. As, as you start rather than your starting point being oh no we think he's going to get sent off let's try and talk the referee into doing that yeah, and it seems like that's the way it's being uh, implemented yeah. which is good yeah. um, bloody taxidermy the lot of them those blokes oh yeah it's so annoying but let's move off left oh actually one last thing on that referee he booked Callum Wilson for diving and it was a great decision like wow, the Callum Wilson ran through and it looked like it could have been a penalty and he went down he just straight away went diving no and it went to VAR and they just said no no penalty ref was right and it uh, Bournemouth, are we worried about Bournemouth at all? Uh, your uh, mate Eddie, same same old, only play one way. They'll win enough games to stay up, but will also lose a lot. Yeah, and it is predictable. They played Leicester. What are they going to do? Attack. What are Leicester going to do? Counter-attack. Oh, Bournemouth are going to lose. Yeah. Like It's the most predictable result. <laughs> you can set your watch by him all. Of all time. Um, carrying on with the top four, someone else who choked is Man United. Um, they drew one all with Southampton. Daniel James scored a wonder goal again. Again, um, but I have a kind. I have a question to you two on this. So Daniel James and Wan-Bissaka have been brilliant since they've arrived at Man United. Only three or four games into their life at Man United and looked really good and hungry and up for it. Is Man United the problem? Like, is Man United destroying players? Do people come and go? Oh yeah, this is good, and then just slowly we eat away at Martial's confidence and quality and turn him into a crap player or? I don't know. Like, well, well I mean, you you did the same to Falcao. Th- mm. The Ibrahimovic. all the change mm. and the structure of the club certainly doesn't help. Yeah. I mean, I think in terms of the player stagnation, uh, Mourinho has a horrendous record of um, bringing young players on. 
Yeah, it just doesn't. And just stopping doesn't see it as his job. Doesn't. And then you, there's a like if you think about it, there hasn't been a lot of happiness at United in the last few years, which is great, but. That you know, it wasn't brilliant under Moyes because there was the this is the solution and he's the you know anointed yeah. Messiah um, come to save us all after Fergie didn't work. Then they panicked and got in Van Hal. That was grim, and he got Mourinho. Even grimmer. even grimmer. So it's sort of, I mean, and then you had the sort of brief honeymoon of the Labrador, and then you realised that. It's a Labrador and he can't really manage a football club. Oh, God, what do we do now? Uh, it's too late. We've already appointed him. We've just got to back him. Well, the thing is, so those managers that you mentioned, so in the first 32 games for each of them, Mourinho has the best win percentage at 65%. David Moyes has the second best at 56 Then it's Van Hal at 53 And then Ollie at 53.1, just slightly lower than Van Hal. So... Actually, Mourinho wow. and Moyes were the best of your modern-day post-Fergie managers. But I want to have fun, too. Well, that's, that's the problem, that's, yeah. yeah. but that's the problem. So, like, I, I'm i not too worried. Like, there's been a big, like, oh, Man United haven't started the season that well. We're eighth and two points off a top-four spot. That's fine by me. Um, and we're not going to instantly be brilliant. And Ollie's trying to implement a few things. And I really like seeing Daniel James play well, Wan-Bissaka play well. It makes you go... And Harry Maguire's fitted in and looks like he's been there for 30 years. Like, and Martial didn't play, and I think he's, he's, injured, I yeah. think he's actually started the season quite well and looked sharp. And I think he's... I, I actually don't mind the fact that he didn't sign another striker. Mm. He may come to regret it, but I also like the fact that we are going to get a full season of essentially Martial and Rashford... Being the, the striker, and I just like I think they both have all the ability in the world, so I, I'd I'd love them. To yeah. both and Mason Greenwood goals. came off the bench and looked really good again. Um, so there's lots of calls for him to start. He's only 17, but I mean, back to your question, like, is it Manchester United or is it the players? It's it's an impossible one to answer because you're almost seeing what's happening at Chelsea. It's like what what do you want? Do you want a successful football side or do you want to be entertained? Now, um, Daniel James has had three shots on target this year and he scored three goals. Well, that's not going to happen for much longer, is it? I mean, that's quite an incredible statistic. But the the style of football you're playing is more counter-attacking and entertaining, but it's not as ruthlessly victorious. And you're very used to ruthlessly victorious. And we kind of, we swoon over the Fergie era. Some of it was incredible. like, but there was so much of it. Some of it was dirge. Yeah, a lot of it was um, winning one nine nils. games, one nil. Exactly right. Yeah. So, so there is a kind of ruthless winning mentality that you do not have anymore. But it's more entertaining to watch. So, so you almost have to have the trade-off. I, I think in modern times, I can only think of, you know, Premier League winners like Manchester City having having both yeah. being, being attractive to watch and ruthlessly winning. Um, I have one more thing on Man United. You know, Alexis Sanchez has gone to Inter Milan. <laughs> And Smalling's gone to Roma. Yes, Chris Smalling's gone to Roma on loan. Um, yeah, Alex Sanchez has gone on loan to Inter Milan and they're paying 50% of his wages, maybe a bit more, maybe 65 But he is still the highest paid player in the Premier League outside the top six. So he's not even playing in the Premier League. Wow. But he's still getting paid more than anyone in any of the other 14 clubs in the Premier League. To not even be there. That is disgusting. Has to go down as one of the worst free transfer signings. We pay him 390 ever. grand a week. 
So he's still wow. basically getting 200 grand a week for not playing in the Premier League. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. Why don't they pay me money not to play in the Premier League? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> playing, playing really in the Premier League, league for longer than him. <laughs> yeah. I've got more experience not playing in the Premier League than he does. <laughs> um, two other teams that were going for the top four, well, I presume they are, that's the aim, was Arsenal Spurs um, in the North London derby, which ended 2 all and was pretty entertaining. Um, Spurs went to... Was, did Spurs go 2-0 up? Yeah. They did, didn't yeah. they? And Arsenal came back from it. Um I thought Spurs had got that in the bag, like two and a lap away from home. And then Arsenal went, no, we're going to come back and do it. Yeah, I, I think Arsenal's defence is so bad. <laughs> it's just so bad. They've solved no problems. It must be so infuriating. If anything, they've added a problem by buying David Luiz. He went missing again for Ericsson's first goal yeah. too. It was one of those. He just seems to have that ability of every now and then. You're just like, where's Luis? Hold on. Like, where, where is he? And then he's, yeah. just, he's literally like on the side po- of the pitch. Pointing. He points. Like he, he finds himself out of position then points at someone else to get there for him. And then like he almost looks like he's an authority. Like, oh, it can't be that bloke's fault. He's, he's directing traffic. <laughs> Got to be in a three. I think yeah. uh, we talked about it last week, but uh, do Arsenal have three centre backs? Well, they've, do you know they've just sold Nacho Monreal, who like Nacho Monreal. He's not that great or no. whatever, but he's a defender, and they haven't got many. <laughs> and he played like the majority of games last. He started all three of their games this season, first three games, and then after that they sold him to Real Sociedad. Like it's an odd choice to mm. sell someone who started the first three games of the season. Um, they've also just loaned Mkhitaryan to Roma as well. They're doomed. Do you reckon? Doomed. The other... Um, oh, I d- yeah, I don't know. The the other thing about um, Luis that I was pondering, uh, Xhaka's challenge on Sun... Oh, so bad. ...was almost as bad as it was bizarre. Because it was kind of mm. like, one, it's in the box, yeah. don't do it. Like, two, it's just a horrendous tackle. You're like, what are you thinking? And then I thought, well, maybe he's just been hanging out with David Luiz and he's trying to outdo him on, like, the complete <laughs> random brain fades. Uh, it, like, you just see that. And, like, if that was anywhere else in the pitch, you'd think it's bizarre. But to do that in the box, you're kind of like, what are what you, you doing? Do- and it, it wasn't like Son was about to shoot either. He no. Was, he was just going to pass it to someone. Yeah, and he was... Just, so, like, you can just stand up, get goal side, it's fine. And he just went, no, dive in. And But what Arsenal do have going for them mm. is two... I will say two. I've been criticised by uh, a friend of the shed, uh, Dirk Cummins, for my lack of credit over the years to lack of threat, Lacazette. Yeah. Uh, but I think Arsenal have two very good strikers um, in the pure sense of the word. So I think Lacazette's, <laughs> here's, here's the caveat. Lacazette's <laughs> finish was brilliant. Oh, it was such a good goal. I also think that um, Aubameyang's finish... Mm was brilliant. I don't actually know if there's another striker in the league that could have made the little run that Aubameyang did yep. to get his goal. Like, I think that was a proper striker playing on the last man. Mm. Great finish. I don't necessarily think they can play in the same team together. I think it was always an indictment on Lacazette that Arsenal, having signed him for lots of money, over £50 million, then thought, oh, maybe he's not quite good enough, we've got to go and buy Aubameyang can these guys play in the same team? Some weeks they do, some weeks they don't. I think the issue is always, if you play both of them, particularly if you play both of them and Ozil, you lose a lot in terms of your the rest of your play. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about Lacazette not necessarily needing many touches in a game to influence it. Like I think he's only one of the lowest like ratios of time on the yeah. ball in the Premier League. 
Um, and so the issue being that, you know, do you lose too much defensively playing both of them? Yeah, but I th- and I think with Pepe as well, I liked the, how they lined up because they just played three defensive midfielders and three full-out forwards um, and just went, well, these three are going to have to clear up and run around a lot. You three just go and do, do stuff. Your thing. I love that. Oh, yeah, like, that's a lot of fun. I kind of like it. Um, and I love I th- it as long as it's not your team. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's great to watch. And I think... Emery will make it work. I think he'll suss it out and work out a way to make that work. And the thing is, if he had a solid back four, they, they'd be, be fine. much higher. I know a lot they're, of faith they're sitting Emery. fifth, but they they would be much higher. They wouldn't have let stupid points slip away already this season if they had a, if they had a good solid back four. Do you know who was really good in this game, Jeff? Though, and I thought of you mm-hmm. was Gunduzi. Ah, I thought particularly in the second half. You got man the match. coming back. Oh, I really? thought he was really good because he. As John said, he had to do a lot of running around, and he did that well. But the thing for me was he also looked quite good on the ball. Mm. So his his pass for Bamiyang's goal was brilliant, perfect, yeah, and, and he times. also had a as uh, a pretty decent save by um, Larice to to deny him as well a goal. So I thought he had a he had a cracking game. I rate him. I really do. I think he's got he's got a big future. That kid. He's good. Um, the last team that I'm going to talk about in the top four race, Crystal Palace. Well, the only reason I'm saying this is because they're fourth. And because Jeff wanted to talk about them. Move on. Well, no, no. Well, here's the thing, right? So, okay. Your, your caveat, John, is, is apt, right? You're, gonna, you're talking about them because, I'm going to put words in your mouth, because they're not going to be in the top four for no, very long. Of course. And the, the, this is their chance to yeah, be spoken about in the, in top, the top four. four yeah. I tell you what, but I've um, stumbled across a Premier League table that just includes the last 15 Premier League games. So across the end of this season. End of last season, beginning yeah. of this season, the last 15 games. Now, it's interesting because of you know how you know, Man United have only won three of the last 15. So it's one of those things that's you know, rumbling around because it's interesting. Spurs have also been crap. Yeah, Spurs are in the bottom three. However, look who's sitting fourth. Crystal Palace? Crystal Palace. Wow, that's really weird. Sitting fourth on 26 points. That's incredible. So it's City, then Liverpool, then Arsenal, then Palace. Then Chelsea, then Leicester. Then guess where Everton are? Seven. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> of course they are. Of course. But great. you know, so we talk, we look at Crystal Palace and the way they started the season. You know that nil-nil draw, that dirge fest that you and I sat up till two in the morning watching Rog. That <laughs> it was yeah. a windy day. It was a horrible game yeah. of football. And in fact, they've been pretty horrible all year. But for the last fifteen games, they've been pretty horrible, and yet still sitting fourth. And all Roy Hodgson will do is tell his team that and go, let's do the same thing in training. Let's do make sure we're organised. We'll do shape. We'll make sure we're all here. We'll grab a goal here and there. And we'll finish. Let's think, Hodge, so you watch training sessions with... Um, with, with te- so when you see a United training session, or I remember watching lots of the England training sessions before the World Cup, the, they would run drills where they go, you know, across the back line, left back to right back, mm. left back to right back, then put under pressure, then to the left back, you know, all the way through the centre-backs, just go back and forth and back and forth. Hodgson doesn't even let the drill finish. Like, he'll go left-back to centre-back, right, stop. Give the ball back to left-back. Left-back to centre-right, stop. Give, he, will, he will stop a, a phase of play. He'll stop into three independent chunks yeah. and just play that chunk and have everyone else standing around in their position whilst only two players are involved and he'll just drill it. Over and over and over and over again before the next one comes. And he's done that for years. Yeah, and that's and that's the way he works. And it's not very exciting, but 
it does well for clubs that are not at that high end. So when he was at Fulham, he did brilliantly. Um, and he did well in Sweden. Because they buy into it. Yeah. And this is why Lampard isn't a very good manager. Because Hodgson has been... Hon- Sorry to keep Lampard bashing this week. But Hodgson has been honing a style of management. He's now what? Is he 70 years old? 71 72. years old? 72. Like, he has refined what he knows is, through experience, will win games of football to small, isolated situations that you have to get better at. You only build that through years of experience. I feel like we should be giving him credit, and we kind of are, but I'm a bit sick of it. And I'm sorry, Palace, but I'm I'm sick of Hodgson, and I'm <laughs> sick of it being boring, and I said they were going to go down this year, and kind of want them to go down because <laughs> they didn't know. last year I'm just I'm bored I'm bored of it like I mean, I'm bored of him standing on the um, touchline like some old sort of uh, turkey vulture but the thing is of all like I, I'm all up for getting rid of all the old white men <laughs> yeah I know he doesn't really fit that mould no, but no but he I kind of like if there's going to be one left behind it's going to be gentle Roy who's just stand there with his floppy face and just he's the like He's almost Big like a Sam's caricature of horrible. himself. David yeah. Moyes is horrible. Alan Pardew's horrible. Oh, Roy Hodgson, he's all right. <laughs> yeah, he's, he, he can hang around. I hear, what, I hear what you're saying, and I think what he's done has been impressive, if not attractive, which it is not attractive. No. It's not eye-catching, and you won't remember it, and you'll suddenly look at the Premier League table and think, what the hell are they doing there? And if you are not an avid football watcher, you'll go, who are they? Yeah. And, and yet after 15 games their consistency shines through so, so you're doing something right and I think when you do it multiple times at multiple clubs it says you're a good coach yeah. you're good at what you do um, we, we said last week that, that they beat um, Liverpool, uh, Man United away they've beaten Liverpool away they've beaten Man City away he knows what he's doing um, talking of Liverpool Man City let's go to the title race Liverpool won 17-0 Man City won <laughs> 64-0 do we care? Uh, one thing out of the City game <laughs> that I did want to talk about, uh, Laporte. Yes. Injured. Laporte. Could be out. Very good, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> could be out for a little while. Uh, they that also, could be massive. They also got rid of company. Mm. They didn't sign any centre-backs. Uh, Pep thinks it's okay because Fernandinho, a midfielder, can mm. go and play centre-back and he loves to play uh, <laughs> midfielders at centre-back. And they got rid of Fabian Delphi, he'd have probably had a go back there. Uh, yeah, true. <laughs> I'm a little bit worried about this because I think Laporte's been very, very good uh, since they signed him and he's really been the one constant. In the yeah, back. Otamendi and Stones swap over, Yeah, but Laporte's always in. So I And Stones is injured at the moment but maybe back. But I'll tell you what, if it's Stones and Otamendi... There's an error waiting to happen in there. Like Otamendi yeah. lunges in a lot and Stones can also go sort of missing... Yeah. Do you know Laporte's never played for France? Like he's never got a cap for France, and he was in the squad to play in this international break. Oh and no, he's just got injured. Yeah. But imagine your national team squad being so good yeah. that Laporte's not even played for you, and you're the world champions. Yeah, like that's a problem. Yeah, Piss oh, off, but France. you know we we do this with Man City. We look at those little chinks in their armor, like oh maybe 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 that's we're it. reaching maybe a bit. Yeah, but I tell you they got. They got twenty five youth team centre backs called Sanchez and yeah, like Raúl who are just going to walk in and be amazing. Maybe yeah, it's true. But um, yeah, other than that, nothing else to see here. Well, yeah, I like I don't want to be dismissive of Liverpool, and Man City because what they do is incredible and they play amazing football. But I am a little bit. But I feel like it's turning a little bit into the Spanish league where Barcelona win six nil one week, Real Madrid won five nil this week, 
oh, they play each other twice a year. Let's wait for that game. Like, I'm a little underwhelmed by Liverpool and Man City, not because they're crap at football, but because they're too good at it. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for them to capture me. Like, like I'm not enthused by either yet. I've been talking about how Aguero's good at football for too many years to, to have that be interesting anymore. I don't care. Of yeah. course he's good at football. We great, watch him every week. Two great finishes. Of oh, course. They're amazing. <laughs> like, like, I'm sick of both of them. Um, so, another team that's not as good but might be getting good is West Ham. West Ham have won two in a row. And we haven't really talked about West Ham this season yet. So, we kind of said after last week's show, oh, we should talk about West Ham. But maybe that's, I kind of think that's a good thing. Because with yes. West Ham, when you're talking about them, it's usually a crisis yeah. or a disaster. Or just before the fall. Or, yeah, just before the fall. <laughs> and we're like bigging them up and then they fall. Yeah. Whereas I kind of feel they've been like fairly unassuming this year, but are sitting in um, seventh. On the same points as Palace in fourth. On the same points as Palace in fourth. And they've, they've sort of you know, put a couple of results together. And also, I feel, have a little bit of... Um, squad depth in some of those creative positions and Yarmolenko came back scored a goal yeah and they played Haller Yarmolenko Lanzini and Philippe Anderson and as their front four that's actually really Anderson good. is a is a really decent player <coughs> yeah. I think so that's um, and there's a bit of pressure on him now because they start, um, my mate Fornalis who's not really playing but at least he yeah. you know gives them another creative player obviously having Lanzini back from long term injury is good and you didn't mention Antonio there he's not yeah. playing and you know he's been really good so I suddenly think that as long as Haller stays fit their one striker um, then well yeah. they've got the chickpea no he, no he just sold him oh they just sold him this morning to, to Seville yes wow that's an odd why have they sold him when he's yeah. only there they've only got one other striker yeah who knows that is bizarre no logic I I genuinely think Haller is really good Um, he's he's, without sounding like Pellegrino because he just came out and said the same thing and I was thinking it before him even though he sees it every day he's got it all he's got everything his link up play is great he's quick he knows how to press he can score a goal he's calm under pressure I think it was a really good purchase that's why I put him as flop of the year <laughs> flop of the year <laughs> insightful stuff on the shed but it's, we were there was a time where Yarmolenko was their best player then he got injured and we were like they're screwed and now the front four that you just listed you're like oh actually that front four wouldn't is not out of place in a top four front four. That's excellent. Like, you, if they get it all right and they all play well, that's scary. Whereas last year they were relying on Snodgrass. Because mm. I think, you know, Lanzini was injured for most of last year, obviously came back at the end. Yeah. Yarmolenko was injured for most of the year. So it's kind of like two new signings. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's big. Um, and uh, the last game I wanted to talk about, just because we haven't talked about them yet this season, Jeff. Uh, is Everton because they actually had an entertaining game for once. Oh my once. God. What, I always what felt like that was going to happen though because we talked about, uh, I think it was on the date night show with you two about Wolves. Um, Everton. Or just, I, uh, I instantly wrote that off as like, that's going to be it was nil, nil, Yeah, can, you know, cancelling each other out. Both like to play the same way, destined to be mm. crap and we get five goals. Turned out to a cracker. Yeah. Um, so Alex Wobie scored. Right. Yes. And he started. Started. So he scored two in a week because he scored in the, in the League yeah. Cup. Um, both headers yeah but you know one thing was doing my head in right so you know uh, so they've already got a song for him yeah okay they, they sing the the old, the old Jeremy Corbyn song they go oh Alex Iwobi oh, yeah. Seven Nation I'm Army I'm thinking fuck is that man. it there's nothing like, like, no, no creativity yeah there? I'm like, so what I decided to do was write an Alex Iwobi song <laughs> um, so <laughs> I've actually written three are you ready okay, okay. So we'll, you, we'll judge them you have to decide yeah. which is the best one yeah okay are you ready 
If you, Alex, will be my lover, you gotta get with my friends. <laughs> Playing is too easy. Something, something, friends. Not bad, okay. not bad. Yep. That's okay, fine. that's the board. Lean on me. When you are Alex Iwobi, <laughs> you are my friend. We can be something, something. Okay. That's that's not, not, not as good as number one. Number one's winning okay. for me at the moment. Last one. Yeah. You ready? In the summertime, Alex Iwobi is fine. <laughs> <laughs> we go fishing, we go fishing in the sea. That's the best. Yeah, yeah, maybe number three. I like but, number three. But I feel like you've just inserted his name into some well-known pop songs. It's not really that's a what football. That's, that's what football. Well, no, are. no, mostly with football chant. It's to the tune of a song that you insert football words. He's just inserted his name into a song. Well, that's how it works. Do the in the summertime one again. I quite enjoy okay, it. Really? Yeah, I like that you have to get the lyrics up just to check. In the summertime, Alex Iwobi is. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite bit is that all three of them involve saying his name really quickly. <laughs> Ali, oh, okay. Yeah, number three. Yeah, number three. You should definitely put it on the Everton fanzine. Um, <laughs> back to the game. Richarlison was really good. Well, Richarlison was good, but also Delph and Moise Ken started as well, didn't they? Yeah, it was a different... like it. Very much more of an attacking intent, and felt like you signed some players. Actually, did yeah. And the difference is, uh, so Gomez and Delph started in midfield, and uh, obviously we used to play with Guai. So he was Go- Gomez and Guai. Guai would drop off, and he would just clear things up, and just just be a little vacuum, and then give it to someone who's better at football. And Gomez would be that person who's better at football. Delph is the opposite player to to Guai, so. He doesn't create space by nicking it quickly and and you know looking up and moving it on quickly. He creates space through possession and through you know dropping the shoulder and finding himself in a yard because that's that's how he's been taught to play football. So he does exactly the same job as Guai, but in the complete opposite way. So watching him with Gomez is far more pleasing to the eye. Yeah, yeah. like it, it's an interesting way to balance those two midfielders without actually having to change the rest of your formation. So you're not having a Kante. You're, you're having the op- the opposite to a Kante, but playing in exactly the same position. So Delph was excellent. I, I might at the beginning of the season, I was incredibly underwhelmed with that signing, and I'm going to eat my eat my hat for. for I think no, I think he's I think he's good signing. Yeah, I just think because he's not quite thirty. I think twenty eight, twenty nine. He's got ten years Premier League experience. He's played in winning teams. He's been coached by Guardiola for two years. You're not going to get a bad player like for eight million. Eight million, mm. like. When Man United buy Fred for 55 or whatever, like I'd rather have six mm. um, Delves. Richarlison's second goal... The header. ...is absolutely brilliant header. Mm. The way he got in front of two defenders and then sort of craned his neck round to still get the power on the ball into the corner. Mm. And I thought about that and I thought he showed a hell of a lot of desire to get in front and get to that ball. And I look at that and I'm like, he should score goals. Like... I think he will at some point. It will all just click and mm. he'll score lots of goals because he can kind of score all sorts of goals. And I feel like he's got that. He wants to score and he always gets himself in good positions, but he just doesn't. It just seems to go through these a bit streaky. You know, sometimes it'll yeah. go and he'll score a few goals mm. and then other times he won't score for 10 weeks. Well, he, he only plays well when he when he thinks he's brilliant. So it sounds like a weird thing to say, but his poor streaks are when he has had nothing kind of compounding his confidence. So he played amazingly well in the Copa America for Brazil because he scored a goal in the group stage 
and everyone loved him. He took his shirt off and it, suddenly he was like talk of the town. So he thought he was brilliant. So he'd walk onto the pitch thinking he was brilliant. And because of that, he'd jump that extra few inches, you know, and push over the extra defender to get through because he already thinks he's brilliant. And so he scored uh, the last goal, another great header if you watch it in the League mm. Cup. The same kind of thing. Just really, from, had no right to get it. Took his shirt off, like threw it round, was getting like everyone was singing his song, thinks he's brilliant. He walks into this game thinking he's brilliant. And when he's got that mentality, he's just a bulldozer. So is he playing on the left? He played on the right. The right? Yeah, played on the right with um, Awobi on the left and Moise Keane up front. Yeah. yeah. And so the, the biggest problem for Everton right now is Sigerson. He's gone quiet. Hasn't he's he? gone quiet. Well, and, his and cross for the um, uh, the second goal, second goal, yeah, Awobi, second. Awobi's goal. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. really good. It was, but it's for, for a number ten, he's not doing enough. And no. Everton didn't recruit a good alternative for him. So it's it's almost like remember a few years ago, maybe you should go saying, back oh, and get know. one of those number tens <laughs> when you had too many. Oh, the irony of Everton not having enough number tens, like it's outrageous. The other um, player I wanted to talk about briefly. Was Lucas Dinia? Dinia, Dinia. I watching the highlights of this game. Yeah, tells you everything you need to know about him as a player. I think he is one of the best crossers in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. We saw it a bit last year. It, he's a brilliant cross for Richarlison's goal in this game. Like did really well to wrap his foot around the ball and consistently, you know, he strikes a good free kick, gets great crosses in. But I worry about him defensively. And both the uh, Wolves' goals were direct errors from Dinia. And I sort of wonder, if, like, if he can figure that bit out in his game, then he's going to be one of the best left-backs in the league. But at the moment, just feel like you can get at him. Mm. Like he's going to, you know, make a mistake. Who was it who, who took it past him for the first goal for, for Wolves? I can't remember. Uh, the really, really fast guy. Yeah. Oh, Traore. Traore. If you've noticed about Traore, right, when he runs... He's got his his hands are out. Yeah, okay. like he doesn't run with clenched fists. He runs with his like fingers pointed, oh, like okay. a sprinter. Yeah, well, like like you know you go faster like that. You well, know, well, that's what you tell yourself you're when like you're an, a kid. Yeah, you know when you're a kid and you yeah, just like yeah. there's that one day where you realise that if you just extend your fingers, you go suddenly faster. you're so quick. Yeah, like you're like cha 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 yeah. super quick. <laughs> so he so he does that. It's like he, he runs out on the wing and he goes poof. And his fingers are out. And super goes, speed. And he just did, didn't he, with his super hands? He also <laughs> let him pass him a little bit too easily. What do you though? do when he's got and his hands Dinier's like that? And Dinier's like five foot four and scrawny, and Traore's like six foot and built like a brick shit house. Like, and then Dinier then uh, nearly kicked a bloke in the face, but also missed the they ball. They scored a goal as well, yeah. They scored uh, a goal. Jimenez. Yeah. Mm. Was it Jimenez? Rahul? Why has he yeah. got Rahul on his back instead of Jimenez? That's his first name. what people do. You're not allowed to do that anymore. Stop it. Um, let's move on to VAR Good result, chats. though. Good result for Evan. Yeah, I think yeah. great result. Yeah, there's enough Evan chat. I'm yep. bored of that. Um, just vaguely ma- naming shit Wolves players. It's boring. <laughs> <laughs> um, VAR chat. I'm going to... Like, three minutes of VAR today. Okay. Because we had a little bit of VAR earlier. But I'm going to chuck something out there. I think everyone's forgetting about the positives of VAR because VAR has been, there's been some problems and everyone's complaining about it, but I'm convinced that there is less diving in the league and there's less complaining at referees. Like from what the games I've seen and the amount of football I've watched, I feel like there's less diving and we're not talking about, oh, that was a dive or that guy went down too easy. We're not doing that because VAR has happened and I think that's a really good thing and no one's noticed no one's talking about it so I think we should mention it 
because I think it's important. I absolutely agree. The only I can't think of a dive that I've seen this season. No. Um, I know that you mentioned one that I can't remember. The new ref, Callum the, Wilson, Callum did Wilson one today. Yeah, and um, but Jack, he got booked straight away. Jack Grealish. Yeah. So this was the controversy from the weekend, the controversial VAR incident of the weekend, in that uh, Villa got a, um, a late equaliser that was ruled out against Palace. Oh. So Jack Grealish was running with the ball, um, just got into the 18-yard box, went past one guy, went to go past another. And then I actually think they... Oh, you tell me first. No, no, no. you finish the whole story. Okay, so he um, went, went down... The ball then runs on to another Villa player who puts it in the net. Then go to VAR and they essentially ruled it out because they said that there was simulation from Jack Grealish when he went down and so there'd been a foul committed and the goal was ruled out. A foul by Jack Grealish for simulating? Yes. Okay. So so the goal was ruled out for, for simulation. Now I watched this then a few times and initially I felt like it was one of those ones where... It fits in that in-between area of there was contact, which made him fall over, but I didn't necessarily feel like it was a penalty. So it's just one of those ones where, you know, there's a coming together and someone People falls fall over, over and, it, yeah. and it happens. And I think sometimes you're like, there needs, there has to be that. You know, it's not always a foul. Um, and so you know people fall over that's just what it is but then I looked at it again and I'm like you know what he doesn't if he just went down it would have been that and it would have been fine but he does do that swan dive thing where he yeah he threw himself and it was unnecessary and it was also one of those ones where because he did it it was then obvious whereas he was actually far more likely to get a penalty if there was one there which I don't necessarily think there was if he just fell over because there was definite contact but it was the, there's contact, oh no, I'm losing the ball, what am I going to do? Oh, I, be, I better throw myself. See, I, I think... Is that, that how you saw it? That is the... Well, you go, Joe. It's, it's definitely... A, if that's what the way it was seen, it's definitely a foul and play should definitely be brought back. Because when a player goes down in the box, whether it's a dive or not, it affects players around them. So, so if you're the player who's dived, who's who's kind of tackled in, whether you've touched him or not, or if you're the goalkeeper that's seen it, you put your hands up and you go, no, he, he dived, he dived. It's, yeah. We didn't touch him, we didn't touch him. By doing that, the person who dived or has been fouled has affected play and that is the end of that phase of play. Something has to happen with that yeah. because it's affected everyone around them. So if someone slots it in and, and the whole Villa team was distracted by whether it was or was not a penalty or, or the whole... Palace team was distracted it's not fair so I, I get it being pulled back I'm really sad you went first because I was about to say the complete opposite and then you've just destroyed my argument so you're probably right but <laughs> what was <laughs> your argument because well, I, when I, I watched it and the first time I saw it um, he goes down and the ball runs out to the guy and he put, the other guy puts it in the net my initial reaction is it should be a goal but he should still get booked for diving so because what he, he did a dive mm. but it doesn't actually. He didn't. Per, per, like the ball ended up near this other person, and it goes in. But he dives. But you. But if because, you're the goalkeeper, you're, yeah, you've no, got you're your right. eye on. No, you've you're got your eye right. But my yeah. initial reaction was like, oh, why? Why is it pulled back? Because yeah, like you know, two, you think two incidents. The goal, yeah. fine, but diving, punish him. And because you know when like you, the referee plays advantage and then goes back to the other guy mm. and goes, that's a yellow card. Um, but then I guess that's always because it's with the opposite the side. the same time, yeah, same yeah. team, yeah. But Whereas no, because he's an attacking player, my yeah. initial reaction watching it, and I'd never seen it before, was like, could it not have been a goal? 
and, and the booking card. for diving. Well, I wonder whether... I haven't seen anything to this effect yet, but maybe it will come out. There's been a directive given to the referees of if there is simulation and it leads to a goal, then... Just no. It should be, you should pull it back. Mm. Yeah, Whereas no, if, it, if you know if it's earlier on in the play... But I, I think I... And you know what? I 100% support it going that way because it is a foul and we don't want to see it in the game. Yeah. So if you start doing those things and ruling out goals because somebody's dived, it's certainly going to stop people diving. It's going diving. to stop more and more. And I yeah. think we are seeing a stop to it, which is really good. But let's move off VR. That's VR for this week. Um, Facebook chat. Now, on Facebook this week, Jeff, you mentioned something last <coughs> week um, and Paul has replied to you. Um, and he said... Enjoyed as always, bit political and heart-wrenching at points when discussing the fates of clubs and Brexit. Felt as though I should call in and complain though. I think it's Jeff King who states that the Northern football clubs were formed during the Industrial Revolution, but that is widely considered to have been the period between circa 1760 to 1870. Only the very oldest club, Sheffield United for example, had been in existence for a few, mere few years by the end of this era. Majority worse weren't yet in existence. There was, however, an informal second industrial revolution during the period where these clubs were formed. So please, could you correct this? Yes. So <laughs> I, 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 I thought I, you were going to have a big comeback here. Well, no, but the, the thing is that I, I think I probably misspoke that the, the football clubs didn't start. The towns started. Yeah. They existed prior, but the industrial revolution are the reason why they had... Groups, groups of, of people. people who were yeah, essentially okay. displaced from their original villages. So at the end of the Industrial Revolution is when these, these towns settled and they needed focus. So I think, you know, the Football League on the side in the 1870s, the first yeah, yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. And, and what, the first 28 football clubs in the UK were from Lancashire and the North West. Yeah. So the, what was Man United's name? Newton Heath. Newton Heath. Newton Heath. Was it just a, a factory? Yeah, but it's a, it was a factory that made train carriages because they, they built the North Lancs Railway. So, and that was in 1876, yeah, something like that. Something like yeah, that. Yeah. I don't know Man United history as well as you do. But, so it was kind of... At the, the Industrial Revolution created the environment where people were moving from all over the massive UK change, to these places, yeah. and then these places needed focus. So, so, so Paul is absolutely right. Yeah. I shouldn't have implied that the Industrial Revolution sparked football as we know it in the UK but it certainly was the catalyst for the displacement of people in the UK yeah. to have football being the driving factor. And, and what's interesting is the, the towns and the cities that existed before... Sorry, Paul, I'm going to go off on one. I'll go off on one now. I've had three whiskeys. Well, what existed before, so that the towns that were already, already had their substance, so you're looking at Cambridge, Bath, Oxford, mm. um, they're not towns with anywhere near an affiliation to football, really. Like, I, I think yeah. between those three... They have two League Two teams between them, yeah. you know, and they because those towns had an identity before that. You know, Oxford is a university town, yeah. and so it didn't need to galvanise its people through football. It because it already had its essence, you know. Mm. And someone like like London has multiple multiple football teams, but they weren't very successful because they were London, yeah. you know. And you find the same with capital cities all over Europe. There, there there isn't a European capital city team that has any success at all. There's only one team in Paris. Yeah, it's and they've existed Paris. since the eighties. Yeah, it, it, it's it's because it's Paris, and and yeah. they haven't had any yeah. success. They yeah. only started in the eighties. Is that what you said yeah. at PSG? Yeah. And that's the only team in Paris. So it's it was like this all around Europe. The only European capital that had any success was Madrid, Milan. No, 
Capitals Rome. Capitals Rome. Rome. Rome at Lazio. But Lazio. Yeah, yeah, but not. They weren't the big like you dominant. You had yeah. Milan, Inter, and Juve. True. Yeah, there isn't. There isn't a single capital city in Europe that has the most successful team True in that industrial country. Industrial town. That, yeah. And uh, apart from, as I say, apart from Spain, and the only reason why Madrid were so successful was because they were a, a fascist regime mm. that was based out of Madrid. That were being sponsored by the fascist government. And well, they still are. They still are essentially <laughs> sponsored by the well, government. Ex- exactly. Exactly right. But as as fascism was was in decline and there was a revolution in Spain all of the resource was pulled into the the capital Madrid and, and that was the football club was seen as a face of what was going on in, in Spain to kind of keep people aligned to this kind of political model apart from that there isn't another European country that has their capital as major sporting have capital have you read something on this just, I think it's just interesting stuff uh, I've never yeah. really yeah. thought about it before but you're actually it, like Spot I mean it's only We've only been talking about it for two minutes, but I think there's a lot in there. It's a really interesting concept. Yeah, well, so maybe because we're running out of time, because next week's international week and international football's boring, we can delve a bit in deeper into that next week, Jeff, if that's all right. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, talking of that, Phil got in contact with us on Facebook to talk about kits, but because we're lacking time, we're going to put it in international week next week. So sorry, Phil. But if anyone else um, has anything that we've said wrong or wants to just complain about Roger sniffing soil... Um, just message us on Facebook. <laughs> um, does anyone have any side stories? Yeah, uh, could, yeah, you go. Ooh, 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 I've, a I've got one quick one. Yeah, I, I just wanted to. Um, uh, I read this week. Yeah, Indeedy from yeah, Leicester. Yeah, Indeedy. You know, Indeedy's going to university in the University of Leicester. No. So he's currently doing his um, uh, degree in. Oh, didn't write down what he said it's some kind of business in football no 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 in, <laughs> in business and a great quote Sports from him saying and leisure so i want to do this course because growing up in nigeria we didn't ha- we didn't really have the opportunity to actually go to school that's awesome so now he's found himself in leicester he's going to leicester uni and it actually really? makes you think footballers work two hours a day some maybe three or four like they do double sessions but in reality you could do a degree in the that's afternoon. a lot of time playing Fortnite. yeah like there should be a lot Why of smart. Aren't they? Yeah, there should be a lot of smart footballers out there, and there is not. They should just all go to uni. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, my side story is far less highbrow than Jeff's. <laughs> uh, I was reading about Bristol City, as you do, and uh, <laughs> as you do, stumbled across possibly the biz- most bizarre pre-game ritual that I've seen. So I think um, Lee Johnson was asked about. Um, after City's recent game, if there were any players in his squad that um, had odd pre-game rituals, apparently Aidan Flint and Joe Bryan, who were both no longer at the at the club, um, but used to have a shared pre-game ritual, which was that they used to both have a poo <laughs> at the same time and then talk from cubicle to cubicle. What before every game? Wow! And they timed like they. I don't know how you what, can, if you... what if you don't need to go? Well, I'm guessing they must hold it so that they can... It, it just seems... There's things, but like for, for starters, I don't see that as a time to be having a conversation with somebody. No. It's a time for quiet reflection. <laughs> oh, come on, it's modern times. It's time to just be sitting on your phone. <laughs> doing your football research. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I just thought that was really odd. Like, Imagine if you walked in, do they then stop talking or do they carry yeah. on? Like, someone else comes in. Wow. There's um, a cricketer, and I can't remember who, but he was batsman, um, and he had this superstition that when he goes out to bat, all the toilets in the change room, the toilet seats have to be up. 
And if he got out and he came in and one of the toilet seats was down, he would lose his mind. <laughs> He's just like, who put the toilet seats down? I was batting really well and you ruined it. And yeah, just had a superstition about it. Um, my side story is a couple of quick ones in Syria. Uh, Juventus beat <coughs> Napoli 4-3. Um, if anyone gets a chance, watch the highlights because Juventus yeah. were a 3-0 up. Napoli came back to make it 3-0. And then Kub- I can't say it. Kuba Kubali? Kubali. 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 Yeah. Brilliant yes. own goal. Yeah, scored an own goal. <laughs> and uh, to lose 4-3. Belter. Um, which I was gutted for because I want... No one wants Juventus to win. win yeah. But have you seen... Um, sorry, a side point on that. In Italy, the players who won awards the previous year, so Young Player of the Year, Player of yeah. the Season, goal, uh, have badges that they wear on their shirt this year. Oh, No. Yeah, so Ronaldo's got this little gold badge that he wears for being player of the year last year. Ronaldo won player of the year? Yeah, I think so. Or whatever he won. He's pretty average. He's probably made his own badge. I'm special. I'm Ronaldo. Can I have a special Ronaldo badge? Yeah, but I think that's pretty cool. Uh, Higuain's turn for his goal. Also a bit special. Yeah. And I'm surprised Higuain and Ronaldo are actually playing in the same team. But it seems to be working okay at the moment. Um, And Napoli have just signed um, Lorente from Spurs on a free... Back Another track. bizarre one, because Spurs haven't exactly got strikers coming out of the woodwork. Mm. Um, my other side story was that the UEFA Players of the Year were announced. Mm-hmm. Um, Virgil van Dijk won the men's, which is great. That it's one, it's a defender, and not Messi and Ronaldo. This isn't the Ballon d'Or, is it? No. This is... So the Ballon d'Or used to be it used to be all combined as one. Now they split into the UEFA Player of the Year, and then you have the Ballon d'Or as well. So okay. Um, but the ladies' one was won by Lucy Bronze who plays for Lyon and England and is a right-back. So two defenders won, um, and as a right-back to be the best player in the world is pretty impressive. She's a very attacking right-back. Yes, yes, definitely in the attacking mould, but it's impressive. Um, But that's it for my side stories. Anything from anyone else? No, no. No. It's an emotional day, last day in the shed. Well, before you go, you've got to have your knee-jerk of the week, Jeff. Oh, yeah, shit. Have you got your knee-jerk of the week? Yes. (laughs) That sounds like you haven't. My knee jerk of the week is that Fabian Delph is going to start for England at the Euros. Oh. So I think after you saying he played really well this week, and I'm convinced he's a very good player, uh, he's not in this England squad coming up. Um, but I just think England need a solid defensive midfielder who can also play with the ball and isn't 20 years old like Declan Rice is. And I think Fabian Delph's actually going to be that person. So I think he's going to start for England in the Euros. Wow. I think that Man United are going to finish below Sheffield United. <laughs> Even though they're above them currently. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, that, that, that can, I mean, things can change. Yeah, they can. Yep. Uh, I need to start thinking about this more, but I will say <laughs> that perhaps I am completely wrong about Crystal Palace and they're going to keep this run of games going and they'll finish in the top four. No, new well, rules, new rules, right. Last week, Rog, you yep. said that you think Watford are going to go down and they <laughs> currently were sitting last in the Premier League and they're still there. No, I this think week, that Palace... your knee-jerk is that Palace are going to finish top four and they're currently sitting fourth. You are not allowed to just choose where teams sit in the Premier League and say, they're going to finish there. That is knee-jerk. In the, it, we're four games in and Palace have had a decent start, but they are not going to finish in Didn't the top four. So I the... think that is the definition of a knee-jerk. Hmm. I think the definition of a knee jerk is when you hit your knee on the top and the leg just pops out. Um, we should get out of here. It's the last ever shed in the shed. 
So we should say thanks to the shed. Thanks to the shed. It's been yeah, emotional. It's been emotional. Um, but yeah, anyone got anything else before we go? No. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, we will be back next week. Not in the shed. We'll be in a Where new... Where will we be? We don't really know yet. We'll work it out. Okay. But we'll be somewhere. If anyone's got a spare shed. <laughs> yeah, let us We're know. in the market. Email us. Yeah. Um, yeah, don't forget to get in contact by emailing us shed... Uh, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> I need a shed. At footballshedpodcast.gmail.com um, Or just find us on Facebook um, and send us a message and your contact details so we can get a new shed, please. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back soon. Thank you. Bye. See ya. See ya. Ha, 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 ha.